if if the watch is broken, it's right twice a day. <laughs> Just saying. Is it stopped at twelve? I don't know. It's okay. How y'all doing? Okay. So we ha- what have you, any, anybody remember what we've been talking about lately? Good. Excellent. You pay as much attention as your parents. Good job. Um, we've been talking about love, God's love, that he has written to us in the Bible. This is a Bible right here. Check it out. It's pretty cool. And we've been looking at the letters, the last four letters before the last book of the Bible, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Jude. And we've been looking at how these letters express God's love for you. Sound good? Is it good to know that God loves you? It is. And so today I have a little bit of an example for you. So this, I'll, show the, I'll try to show you this without dumping it all out of the box. Is that the right way? Nope. Close enough. Yeah, this is called a spirograph. This one was made in 1967. And uh, so we're going to say, I took one of the big circles out of the spirograph, and we're going to say this represents you. This is your heart, your life. And we're going to take a smaller circle. Well, let's do this one. And we're going to put it inside the big circle. That's going to represent God. Okay? Because of Jesus, God lives in your heart. He lives inside of you. Um, Esther, pick a color. Purple. Purple it is. All right? And when we read God's word, good things happen. Right? And he reminds us of certain things like, let's see, he reminds us of there it is he remind this is like the theme let's call this one broken <laughs> all right we're going to call that the theme of love so we read god's word and we are given themes like love, and then God just continues through his word to rework that theme in our heart and sort of show us what love looks like, then he'll take another theme like forgiveness, and he will weave that through our hearts, right? And then he'll take another theme, like, somebody want to give me a theme? Mercy. We'll do mercy. That's a good one. And he'll work that theme. You can't see, and I can't really do this right, so... Well, you get to do this in Hope for Kids today. 
and yours is going to be less messy than mine. There you go. So you see these different themes. God's writing them in our hearts. As we read his word, we read about his love. We read about his forgiveness. We read about his mercy, his truth. And our hearts are changed. They're made brighter and better. And he lets his light shine in us and through us. And that's kind of the way that God works. Let me read you something from the book of 1 John, and you'll see what I mean. So this is from the book called, a letter called 1 John, and this is from chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 12, and he says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. What's the first theme he talks about? Your sins are forgiven. So he talks about forgiveness. I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. So the second theme is knowledge of God. And then he says, I'm writing to you youth because you have overcome the evil one. So he's writing about the theme of good victory over evil through Jesus, right? And then he says, I write to you children. Wait, didn't he already write to the children? You see how he circles back? And he says something, because you know the Father. So he's talked to the children twice, and then he says, I write to you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. Back to knowledge. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. So do you see how that works? God just keeps cycling through the same themes over and over again until... Our hearts are transformed, and they look different than they did when he started. And his work in us through his word is beautiful. You agree? All right. Did that work? So you get to do these in Hope for Kids today. Sound good? So before you go running away, one of you needs to carry my Spirograph kit back to the Hope for Kids room. I have different parts of it. I'm going to put these pens away while I pray. Can I say a prayer for you guys? All right, let's bow our heads. Dear God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the ways in which you grow us and shape us through your word, the ways in which you repeat the themes that we so desperately need to hear, that you love us, that you forgive us, that your grace redefines who we are and how we live, that you are the God of love and forgiveness and truth and grace and peace and we thank you for all of that we pray your blessing over these kids as they spend more time in your word and hope for kids today fill them with your holy spirit and lead them into a deeper understanding of how much you love them in jesus name we pray amen all right There's going to be spirograph everywhere. I think it best to put the lid on. All right. Here, you carry the board. You carry the clipboard. You want to carry the pens, Mila? All right. And you open the door. Love y'all.
Very good. That wasn't a total disaster. All right. The old spirograph. I don't think I've operated one of those for a solid 47 years or something like that. Yeah, since 19, well, I don't think I, I could have drooled on it in 1967. But, uh, but the, I was the youngest of five. So the cool part was, like, if something came out in 1967 and then never, it just went away, it was still in my house. Like, I got to see it and take it out and break it. It was great. Um, and that includes vinyl albums, by the way. <laughs> Having older siblings was absolutely clutch in the vinyl album category. Why don't we pray? Let's do that. We're going to just pause for a moment and pray that God would prepare our hearts for his word this morning. God, our loving Father, we come before you. As we open your word, we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would write there in our hearts that which we need to know and hear and understand so that we, cannot, we can be not only hearers of your word, but that we can become those who live out your word in our lives. And we just pray, Father, that as we come before you in this way, that you would take the burdens of our hearts from us this morning by the, the blood of your Son that washes us clean, that through his grace, mercy, and forgiveness, we could be in a better place to hear you this morning. And so, Lord, we lay at the foot of your cross the burdens of our hearts that we might be more free to encounter you here through your word. We give you our sins and failures. We thank you for the forgiveness and grace that are ours in Jesus. And Lord, we lift to you those whom we know and love who are in grief, and we pray that you would comfort them. We lift to you those who are sick or facing uncertain diagnoses, and we pray your healing mercies over them. Uh, we thank you for stabilizing Joanna, and we just pray also for Judy Harrell as she has surgery this week that you would use that process to pour out your healing upon her, be with the doctors and nurses and everyone else involved to bring about a successful surgery and a quick recovery to full health and function. We just pray your blessing over her. And Lord, we lift to you our country at every level of government, elected and appointed. We, we ask that you would give our leaders wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We lift up our men and women in uniform. We pray that you would watch over and protect them. We lift to you those who've returned home changed as a result of their sacrifices and service for the freedoms we enjoy as Americans. And we pray that you would pour out your spirit upon them. Use us, your people, to minister healing to them, mind, body, and soul. And Lord, we lift up your church here at Hope and around the world. We pray for all the churches that we are connected to through our denomination and through our missions giving. We lift to you those that we are uh, supporting in Guatemala, in Laredo, Texas, in Cuba, in Beirut, Lebanon, and elsewhere in the Middle East. And we just pray your blessing over all of those works. We lift to you the church plants that are ongoing in, in Texas, in New Braunfels, in Austin, and in Dallas. And we just pray your blessing over those works. And Lord, we pray you would be with us now as we open your word, speak to us. In your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. All right. So we are in a series of messages so far this summer 
that is looking at uh, these last four little letters at the end, towards the end of your New Testament. The last book in your New Testament is the book of Revelation. It's weird. We'll, we'll talk about that some other time. Um, but these are the last four letters that occur, that are found right before the book of Revelation. And three of them were written, we think, by the Apostle John. And the reason we think that is because the, the themes that are so prevalent in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John are also very prevalent in the Gospel of John. And we've been talking about how John's writing, particularly in, in, the, in what we call 1st John, uh, which really isn't a letter, it's more of a sermon that he writes, uh, to a group of churches probably in and around the city of Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. And John had been a pastor there for a while, and then he was, uh, he's probably in captivity, he's probably uh, been in exile because of his faith when he writes these letters. And you can see these themes, and I've talked about this before, but when you read something written by the Apostle Paul, like the book of Romans, he builds arguments like a brick wall. They're very methodical. He, draw, he drops the plumb line. He, follow, he makes it level, and then he's just brick by brick by brick builds his arguments. I love it, right? I, that's, that's my stuff. And then we get to John, who's just like, woo, woo, like love, truth, whatever, you know, and he's just all over the map, and there's, there, there appears to be no structure to what John is writing. And yet, as we see like with the spirograph, there is structure. It's very fluid. It circles back and back and back and forth. And if we're listening, if we open our hearts, which is the part I hate, right? I like the intellectual part. Um, but then John forces me to kind of open my heart to what he's saying, which I think is kind of the whole point of Scripture in the first place. Um, and we see something beautiful as, as these themes are sort of recycled through his writings into our hearts, we become more acutely aware of God's love, of his forgiveness, of his light in contrast with darkness. And John uses a lot of contrasts in his writings. Um, but this morning is, is the, uh, one of the best examples of this cyclical style of writing that John uses. And we're going to look at just a few verses out of chapter 2 of the letter called 1 John, before we get there, I'm going to read you the first three verses of 1 John so that you can see how he sets the theme for the rest of this sermon that he gives. And uh, so we're going to start in 1 John. I'm just going to read the first three verses, and this will kind of set the stage thematically for what we're going to look at today. 1 John, beginning in chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, we, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have, you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father 
and with his son, Jesus Christ. So that is John's introduction. That's where he starts, and you can see him rolling out these themes of God becoming human, the spiritual becoming physical. And we saw him, we heard him, we touched him even, and he is the word of life, and this is the basis of our fellowship with God and with one another. And now I'm going to jump to 1 John 2, and we're going to just look at verses 12 through 17 this morning, and then I'll read one verse or a few verses from the Gospel of John. I'll explain that in a moment. But for now, 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And I want to read you just an excerpt from the Gospel of John. Jesus is talking to a a prominent Jewish leader, and he's trying to explain this, this thing that what we are dealing with is a function of faith, not intellect. It's a function of the heart, not obedience to the law in in, in and of itself. And so Jesus is interacting with this Jewish leader, and there's questions and there's answers, and then in verse 5, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And one thing that might be helpful to understand uh, that verse, that passage, is the word spirit, as it's understood by the author here, um, is a, it's the word breath. It's a, it's a wind, it's a movement of air. And so when he talks about the spirit and the wind, that's the correlation that, that is helpful, I think. Um, and you can see from John's gospel, many of the same themes that he cycles through in his letters are present there. That's one of the reasons I wanted to include that verse, but also to just sort of nail down um, this idea that John is, when he talks about God the Father, he is also talking about God the Son. And when he talks about God the Son, he's talking about him as a God, as God, 
who became human, who took on flesh, who, who lived a human life. You could touch him, see him, feel him, know him. And this is the God who came to save us. And so just to sort of set all that stage as we begin to, to work through this, this short passage in, in 1 John, um, where do we begin? There are really two things going on here in, in what John is saying in this portion of his, of his sermon. And the first thing he's saying is to get into the groove. Get into the groove of the movement of the Spirit, of the, of the heart of God. Get, get into that place where God is at work, where he is moving. And let's look at the things that are there. To get into this, to this groove, we have to tap into what we call the first cause. This is a theological term for God. Um, God is the first cause of all things in this universe. Um, and I want to just sort of try to explain something real quick. So those of you who, who have to suffer through hearing me over and over again have heard me say this part before that since Einstein gave us the theory of relativity and the equation E equals mc squared, we have understood what, what John is saying here. <laughs> so words that are thousands of years old uh, have, have been borne out in science to be true, and here's, here it is in its basic, most basic form. Anything that has mass, takes up space, has energy, uh, exists, anything that exists in this universe in a physical sense um, or in the form of energy was, has a starting point. So time, space, matter, energy all have a starting point before which none of those things existed. And so what caused all of that? We call that the first cause, theologically speaking, or we just call him God <laughs> or Jesus. Either one works. And so we know from our Bibles that God was the beginning, in the beginning. That's not a baseball phrase. It's, it's from the first cause. God spoke. His word brought forth, which his word is also we know to be Jesus, his word brings forth all of creation. Boom! Light, matter, sound, energy, all of it is now possible. And that's the world we exist in physically. But at the same time of our physical existence, God has imbued into ourselves a spirit, something spiritual. This is the part that's tricky and slippery and sometimes really, really difficult to access. Why? Because the physical is right here. I can see it. I can touch it. I can smell it. I can eat it. Hey, that's my favorite part. Um, and so we have this physical world around us. It's right here. And God says, I want you to, to, to move past that. The physical world is important, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want you to get plugged into that which is spiritual. And I want to develop those aspects of who you are over time, in real time, 
with other real people. I want my word to have an impact. And so we are to tap into the first cause. This is what John is saying when he says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, children, these are both in verse 13, because you know the Father. And then he repeats himself as he does, which is so frustrating. Uh, but the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. To tap into the first cause means to know God the Father. He is the source of all things. From the beginning, John says. We're to know God the Father, and we are to know God the Son. To get into this groove, to tap into that first cause, is to know God the Father, who's the beginning, the source of all things, and to know God the Son, who for us is the source of eternal life. He is that source. It is important to reiterate to John, the Father and the Son are absolutely one. You cannot love one without the other, in John's viewpoint. And that is important for us to remember. But the Son that John is talking about is Jesus, and he is the source of eternal life. We're to know the Father, we're to know the Son, and we're to know his word. It is our source for transformation. Verse 14, I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Right in the middle of that little sandwich is the fact that we have God's word in us, abiding in us. This is the key to getting in the groove, to coming back to God's word when we sin, to come back to his word when we do well to come back to his word, when we are sad to come back to his word, when we are joyous to come back to his word. This is that thing that God has given us that dwells within us that he wants to cultivate and cycle through and cycle through until finally something beautiful emerges. Our transformation. We are to tap into that first cause, the Father, the Son, the eternal word, and we are to drink in his blessings. If I can just sort of bounce through what John is writing here and just gather some of these thoughts, these are what these are the things that John tells us are derived from this first source. So we we know the Father, we know the Son, we know His Word. What that brings out for us is our understanding of forgiveness, the imbuing of strength within us, a strength that is not the same as physical strength. It is spiritual strength and ultimately the blessing of victory. How do I want to say this? If you're like me, um, then you're, well, you're a terrible Christian, right? Um, and <laughs> I, I, am, I am 
I have a very low view of human nature, and that even includes my human nature. Okay? But here's something I need to remember. I am not defined by my sinful nature. I have been redefined by the grace of God, by the blood of Christ, through faith, through all these spiritual things that I'm not good at, that I don't have direct access to, that I usually cannot eat. And I was, as I was saying that, I was thinking about communion and how we actually eat that blessing to reflect what's happening spiritually. And, and so maybe God's got us figured out. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that some other time. But I am not defined by my sin, by my selfishness, by my inability to get out of my physical self and, and tap into that which is eternal. I'm actually defined by that which has shed his blood for me and transformed who I truly am. You and I, even while we stumble through this world spiritually, we live in a state of victory. That Jesus has overcome all of this insanity, including what we add to it, for us, and we in him are victorious. There is victory that is ours in Christ. And I, I, this is a personal opinion. I, I think some Christians can get a little too focused on the victory. And if, if you're just like, it's all victory, and you're completely ignoring the mess you're creating in the lives of people around you, we're doing it wrong. But if we can, if we can both be acutely aware of our humanity and at the same time have access to that which, is, has, with that which Christ has overcome in us, through us, for us, that's the way God wants us to live. In that groove where we're just cycling through the themes in his word to make us more and more into the men and women that he created us to be. And so we're to get into the groove. And then we're to get out of the rut. And the rut I'm speaking of is uh, particularly this, this physical existence or what John calls the world. This is what he says this word, uh, I think, four times in two verses. Um, no, five times in two verses. And then another, yeah, anyway. He says a lot. So what does he mean? Let me just take you to verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. What John means is that we are right here in this physical world. That which we can touch and taste and feel and smell and hear is so close. And we need to look beyond it. To find true meaning, you're not going to find it in stuff. You're only going to find it in that which transcends this existence. And so John reminds us not to love the world or the things in the world. To let go of the physical. So I want you to think about something for a moment. 
when God created all that we know and experience in the physical universe that, that we live in, it was without sin. Why would a spiritual being create a physical universe? I, I think I have the answer. I, I think it's really simple. He knew that he wanted you to exist. And he knew that you would need a way, as a finite being, that you would need a way to be able to relate to a spiritual being. And so he created a universe that is physically reflective of that which is spiritual. The world is not bad in and of itself, at least not the world God created. John is not saying that we need to somehow starve ourselves or something and, and that we need to leave this world. He's saying don't get dragged down by this world. This world was created by God to reflect something true. Think about it. Light. Light is a physical reality. Yet, in the Bible, it is a really important theme that we understand that God's love is like light. It, it brings vision and clarity and understanding and uh, the, uh, the ability to move through and navigate in this world. And so all of that which God created was created to be a reflection of a spiritual reality. And so we can, by looking at the world, the universe that God created, we can learn, we can better understand who God is, and we can see things that he wants us to see. So to let go of this physical world, we have to know that the world was created to reflect the spiritual. But this world is not your ultimate reality. The physical existence that we enjoy as subjects of God's creation is not our ultimate place. We are being prepared for something better. This world is not your ultimate reality, and John wants to remind you of that. Don't get so absorbed in all of this that you lose sight of what's most important. The world was created to reflect the spiritual. It is not our ultimate reality, and so we are not to cling to this corrupted world. And that is the key, to be able to see the beauty of creation as a reflection of who God is, but not be enslaved to our physical desires, impulses, etc. Um, if so, slight, slight cheesy aside, uh, someone in my family sent me a YouTube video of these two British guys that go to Bucky's. So they, they were doing like a podcast in somewhere in the United Kingdom, 
and somebody from Texas sent them a bag of Bucky's nuggets, right? And they're like, what are these? These are amazing. And they're, they're eating them on camera. I'm like, we've got to go there. And so these two Brits come to Texas, and they go, and they're like, we're at the largest gas station. That's Australian, whatever. Uh, gas station in the world, petrol station. You know, and they're, they're walking around Bucky's, and they're like, there's more food in here than there is in all of England. Like, this is insane, right? And so they buy, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars worth of food, and they go out to the parking lot, and they've got the Bucky's sign in the back, you know, and they're, and they're, they're trying all this food. And one of them says, this is what happens when you just say yes to every piece of your inner dialogue. This is what happens. You just, yes. Like, can we have cinnamon candy covered pecan? Yes. Can we have banana pudding in a cup? Yes. Can we, you know, and, and so they talk. It, it was fascinating. These two guys actually make a very astute spiritual observation, right, that we as Americans, uh, well, maybe just Bucky himself, has figured out that we want to consume this physical world. Um, you can roll that out in any direction, right? That's, that's who we are. It's what we do. We become obsessed with this physical world. And God says, this is, this is, this is not what I want for you. I want you to care for the physical world. I don't want you to be obsessed with it. I don't want you to be um, plundering it for your own satisfaction as we sit in these chilling winds of air conditioning, right, while our, yeah, okay. To let go of the physical, to not cling to that which is corrupted, but rather to invest in the spiritual. Jesus, John reminds us, is the spiritual that becomes physical, the spirit that became flesh, God who became human. He came so that we could see him, we could hear him, we could touch him, we could spend time with him, he could spend time with us. His reality will last forever. It's not something we consume it's something that abides within us and slowly transforms who we are. As God takes his word and just cycles these themes through and through again and again, eventually it starts to make sense and something beautiful emerges. And we are called, in order to invest in the spiritual to come to Jesus, to see that his reality is what counts, and to engage him through worship, through the word, and through prayer. God actually wants us to stop every once in a while and pray for no reason at all or for good reasons. He wants us to stop and pray. He wants us to be in this rhythm of worship where we cycle back and again and again 
in worship, in his presence, in the presence of his people. He wants us in his word where those themes can be reinforced and redrawn on our hearts continually. And he wants us to engage him by showing the love of the Father. This, this is John's biggest point. That as we, as we let go of our attachment to this physical world and we learn to tap into that which is spiritual and eternal, we begin to be transformed and we cannot keep that for ourselves. We must spend it on behalf of others. That is called love. This is John's biggest theme, the main thing. God is love. He has transformed you, so show his love. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we thank you for how patient you are with us, for the ways in which you just slowly cycle back through these things which we need so desperately to hear, that we are forgiven, that we are loved, that we know the first cause of all things, that you existed before any of this and you will exist beyond it. And not only that, but you became human and dwelt among us in this physical world. You are the God who always was, who is now, and who forever shall be. We thank you that you care to know who we are, that you care to grow us more and more into the people you created us to be, that your love truly does transform our hearts, and that from there, you want us to live in such a way that others see what love is. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might have more of that which transcends and be less attached to this physical creation. We thank you for your word, for your love, for all of those themes that we cycle back through when we come together in your name. We just pray your blessing over everyone here, that we might live out your word in our everyday lives and show the people around us love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.